0: I have some follow-up. Oh, we're just jumping into this? Okay.
1: Well, I don't know. Do you want to?
0: I guess so. I don't know how to do this.
1: Neither do I. I figure we just do it and see what happens.
0: Go for it. Follow-up.
1: After last week's traumatizing experience, uh, I've taken some steps in my life to try and change my habits. It was not traumatizing. (laughs) It was traumatizing for me. I was thinking a lot about, about what I'd done. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So, in our show notes, you will find two images. And if you okay. click those images, you will see how my iPhone currently looks.
0: Oh. Still rocking that background, huh? Still well, rocking that wallpaper.
1: Yeah, that's the next step. Um, it's mm. baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I was hoping for a bit more congratulations over what I've done to my home screen.
0: I'm, just, I'm saying that the first thing that catches my eye is that wallpaper. But... Right for For the listeners, Mike has gone from three iPhone screens down to two if you're showing me everything, yes, it looks like you just have two, and your home screen now is a nice row of four by four instead of four by seven or whatever the heck it was last time and you don't have any folders or any other nonsense, no periscope on your home page. so I would say this this looks much improved there's still there's still room for improvement the wallpaper, obviously, mm-hmm. the four icons in the dock, the very fact that Twitter is on your phone, but much, much improved. So I, I will congratulate you on
1: your baby step. So my, my main problem right now is I want to have one more row of icons. I don't want to have two gaps, like you mm-hmm. know, two, a double space. That's not really what I want, but mm-hmm. I can't think of four apps to go there. You know, I have
0: a solution for this problem of yours. If you put four folders as the very top
1: row, on your phone, then you won't have the double gap. So that's something I want to do, but I cannot bring myself to <laughs> put everything that's on my second screen into four folders. I tried, and this was at the moment as far as I could go. Hmm. Um, hmm. And I'm trying. I am trying. So like the, you see on the second screen, I have those four apps, IA Writer, Scratch, Inbox, and Spark. Mm-hmm. They're like testing apps. I'm trialing those, which is why they're there. Um, mm-hmm. But putting all those folders in, like I tried to put clock and settings into folders and couldn't do that because they're too like muscle memory. So then I only really have space for two. I was, it's been horrible. Basically, after we recorded last week, I was going to meet a friend and I had like a 90-minute train journey. For 90 minutes, I sat and did this on the entire train <laughs> journey, like disgusted at myself. I sat and moved apps around on my screen. My phone felt like it was on fire.
0: If there's If there's one thing we know, it's that... Rearranging icons on iOS is a pleasurable experience. It's not frustrating in the slightest to try and move icons around on iOS. They make that, they make that really great. It's, a, it's lovely, lovely the way Apple handles that.
1: <laughs> and I'm starting to get used to it a little bit more, but I'm still sometimes like, I don't even know where anything is anymore. And then and I kind of have a tiny, tiny breakdown, and then mm. I get over it and use Search.
0: I'm glad this podcast is improving your life, it seems. Well, (laughs) it's better now than it was a week ago.
1: I think so. (laughs) So, great. Last week, we spoke about the devices that you use, right? Mm -hmm. This week, I want to talk about where you use them, Oh, like working environments, Mm -hmm. as well, because I know that you have a selection of places that you like to do your work in. So, I want to kind of talk about them and understand why you have so many and kind of what the different... uh, uses are for each of them. I also want to talk about this redundant bag thing that you have.
0: Okay, where do you want to start?
1: So I think, I assume that you probably have a, no matter where you are, uh, a set of things that you like to have around you at all times, right? There is, I imagine that there is a, even though the location changes and some of the components change, that there is a kind of a template of things that you like to have.
0: I have a, a minimal functional working environment i guess is is, sounds like what you're kind of asking about which is what what is the smallest number of things that i require to effectively get work done Uh, and that would be an ipad an external keyboard for that ipad an ipad stand and a pair of headphones like that's without those things i'm probably not going to get very much done. And that is the minimum number of of things that I would require to have an effective little office environment if I'm traveling, for example.
1: So there tends to always be a computer device of some description, whether it be your iPad, or you said you had a MacBook Air, right? Or your uh, Retina iMac?
0: Yes, yes. There's a computing device of some kind and there's a keyboard to type. I'm th- like, is that what you're asking about? I input things into computers. This is how I this is how I work. I work with computers.
1: Yeah, I wondered if maybe because I know that you you write scripts on paper sometimes. Right, mm-hmm. that is a thing that you do. When you do that, do you like like you shoot computers? Do you go somewhere and just with a notepad, or you know, are you still in that kind of scenario? There's a computer around still. I am capable
0: of getting work done. ...without any computers under certain circumstances. Because the main thing that takes up most of my working time is writing and largely rewriting. And so sometimes that writing can take three different forms. I either need to talk through a script that I'm working on out loud. I need to write that script or edit that script on a computer... Or sometimes I do print out the scripts and then I edit them by hand. It's that last mode which is uh, an interesting one for me sometimes because the writing process is, is weird. They, uh, I'm aware that sometimes my brain just feels a great resistance to writing. Like, oh, don't want to write today. And sometimes writing with paper and pen is a way to kind of force my brain to get started on this project. So on some mornings, if I can just feel that there is some resistance to actually wanting to get work done today, one of the tricks that I can do is basically just grab some printouts of the projects that I am currently working on and a pen, and then just go off and uh, like go to a cafe nearby and just only have those items with me. And this is a way to kind of force myself to work out of just sheer lack of options. There's nothing else to do. You don't have your computer with you. You just have some paper and you just have a pen. And there's there's nothing else. There's only this. So I guess we're going to sit down, brain, you and me, and we're going to edit this script together. So I guess that, that really is the minimum, minimum working environment. But that's not... Uh, that's not a very frequent thing that happens. That's more like a little a little brain trick for myself to try to get things started that on a day when uh, they might not otherwise get started.
1: When you're in that kind of isolation mode, do you have your phone with you?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the tricky thing, is I try not to bring the phone with me. And it, obviously, it is way more effective if I don't bring the phone with me.
1: Because then you literally have nothing. Like, there's nothing.
0: <laughs> Exactly. Like, what is this, 1995? I right. have gone to a place and I just I have I have nothing with me. And that is there's that is one place where I have done a, a little bit of very limited experimentation now with the Apple Watch, because having headphones and music is really helpful. That's kind of the the breaking point here, as I always think, well, I do want to bring just my phone so I can listen to some music
1: mm. to block
0: out all of the other people in the cafe. But then, you know, your tricksy tricksy brain is like, hey, on the phone, there's things that are not work. Maybe we could do those instead. And so the watch has actually been helpful. I've done this a couple times now with the watch of just pairing Bluetooth headphones to the watch and going out with just some papers and a pen and then sitting down and writing because then there really are there really are no other options.
1: That's really interesting as an idea. I hadn't thought of that. I don't have Bluetooth headphones, so I'd I'd never even considered it. Like I haven't put any music on my watch at all because i have no way of playing it Mm -hmm. um but that's that's really smart like that's one of those things where you're like huh this device does make a difference
0: the the other thing is i don't know just as just as a general working philosophy i feel like you have to be really open to tricking your own brain it's it's like you almost have to think of your brain as a kind of adversary
1: in some ways yeah that yeah i love that that's really i I like that a lot (laughs)
0: Well, it, but it's true that like your your brain is, you know, it's like 80 percent monkey and 20 percent human is, is how the brain is. And, and you just have to hope that the human is able to to be in control. But, you know, there are plenty of times when the human brain is not going to be in control and you have to like plan for those contingencies about what kind of structure can we set up so that the monkey doesn't have any options except to do to do what I want. And that is very hard, like, don't get me, like, it's really easy to say, is very, very hard to do, and so a lot of, a lot of things in my working environment are about trying to minimize any kind of friction, like, trying to, to have really clear guidelines for, oh, look, the work, it's over here, and it's easy to do, Um, and, but yeah, the, the, the writing with no other options is, is like a, is like a last resort of trying to, trying to get this process started.
1: When you work, what can and can't you listen to? And does this change depending on the type of work that you're doing?
0: I have a bunch of different playlists for different kinds of work that I'm doing. And, and I try to actually kind of set up different associations with different kinds of music for different sorts of work. Let's say, for example, I'm doing work that I absolutely loathe, which is generally administrative work of some sort or another. Emails, paperwork, stuff that requires my attention, but doesn't necessarily like drive the business forward in a really valuable way, but that still has to get done. That I I have a kind of electronica sort of playlist that I listen to of high energy music, but that also has no lyrics in it because I feel like I need something to try to help keep me going on boring work. But it can't have words in it, because if it has words in it, then it it crashes in my brain with trying to write an email to someone. It just won't work at all. Or if I'm just trying to fill out boring tax paperwork, I can't have a voice in my ear that is also talking. So that's, that's one kind of playlist that I listen to. And then I have a variety of other different kind of melodic playlists that I listen to, either if I'm writing or if I'm reading. But one of the things that is interesting to me is that there is an album that I have listened to more than any other, which is Girl Talks All Day. I don't know if you're familiar
1: with this or not. It's one of the greatest albums for concentration (laughs) on the entire planet, yes. (laughs) I am familiar with it.
0: (laughs) Okay, it's interesting that you say that, because I I can't remember how I I first found this, but it is, for those who haven't ever heard it, it's a a remix album is is the way to describe it, but that doesn't give it credit for the genius that it is. This guy basically took like the catchy parts of a whole bunch of songs and put them together in very interesting ways and made this whole new album. And more importantly, it's a single album. It's not really broken up into individual songs. It's like one hour-long track that changes tone as it goes on. And I was, would you say, that is that a fair way to describe it? I always have a hard time trying to describe it.
1: Yeah, it's mashups basically yeah um but it, it's done in such a way that it's just like a snapshot of music and it and it it all ties back into each other and girl talk is a is an artist and he has a bunch of different albums i actually i prefer feed the animals hmm. which is just an, another one uh that i really really love uh but they're all just they're all just fantastic mm-hmm.
0: yeah for for me i've tried a few of the other albums i've never quite gotten into any of the others but But I know the reason for that, and the reason is I have listened to Girl Talk all day on repeat, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times is very easy to say, and that is the only exception to the no words rule, that I can listen to that album when I am writing, and I find it very helpful to listen to that album on repeat when I'm writing. And it's, I try to build up this little association with my brain of, of various things. Like, okay, we're, you know, we're sitting down in this environment and this album is playing now, you know what you're supposed to do, monkey brain, you know, you're supposed to write now. And it is, it is very helpful and it's because I have listened to that one so much it's like the words aren't even registering in my brain as words anymore they don't so they don't have this kind of collision so it's very strange but if not at the very beginning part of writing a script but when a a script has gone through a couple of drafts so there's some kind of structure to it then I can very easily put on girl talk all day and just write while I'm listening to that so that's that's something else that's kind of in my working environment i guess is the is the way to describe it
1: I have another album that I listen to for the same kind of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um and it's called Retroactive Part 1. Um and it's by uh, it's by there's a there's a record label um called Brave Wave and they tend to do composition for video games. They've mm-hmm. actually they did the music for Inquisitive on Relay FM and they also do the theme song for Virtual on Relay FM. We have a we use these guys um to help us with some of our music. Because it's all just fantastic stuff. Mm. And the guy, the composer of this album, his name is uh, Keiji Yamagashi. He's done some incredible uh, music in the past, like just a bunch of different games. And this album is just incredible. And it's like, you know, a lot of chiptune type stuff. Um, and it's video game sounding music. But I put this on and it's like, okay, I'm in full concentration mode now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I use this a lot when, when when I ever do script writing and stuff like that. I use this album. Um, because it really it's the same idea when i when I hear it it's like, "Oh, okay, it's concentration time, like and it just locks me in and and I kind of can just do what I need to do
0: yeah I think the the music is helpful both because of its association factor like many routines are just about trying to associate particular activities with particular actions but the the music I think is helpful because it's like it it engages the part of your brain that wants to get distracted you know it's it's kind of like you've given the monkey a, a rubik's cube to play with right and and it's really focused on that and so it can kind of let the human part of your brain get to work and be focused instead of constantly looking over your shoulder and going like hey what about this other thing hey why don't we go over there why don't we do this other thing over the over in this place i feel like that's what the music is doing is it's like occupying the distractible part of your mind it's not so much even that it's helping you focus. It's just keeping something else in your brain busy and spinning away from you so that you can you can actually get something done.
1: Do you have a bag that you kind of carry around? Or because, you know, I know that you have these different setups. It seems like you kind of have stuff where you need it to be. But do you carry stuff around with you in a rucksack or a briefcase or anything like that?
0: If we talk about my working life for the past few years, a, a big part of that is actually working in London. Like I, I live in Central London. I really love the city, and one of the reasons that I love it is because, I mean, I've been here twelve years now, and and for the for that entire time, I have always loved to just take a backpack and go out into the city, and walk around and then find a place to sit down to work for maybe an hour and a half or two hours, and then get up again and take another little walk and find some other place to sit down and do another burst of work and then get up. like that little cycle I find is extremely conducive to working and to getting things done is location, movement, location, movement. Uh, I don't know why I just find that's very helpful. but of course that then requires a backpack and you need to have a little mobile working station in there and that's why most of the days when i go out i have in my backpack at the bare minimum i have my ipad the ipad stand a keyboard and a pair of headphones and that's that's what i will take as my mobile working environment 90 percent of the time it's Every once in a while, I'll take a laptop, but that's pretty rare, and I, I usually have some specific laptop-required task that needs to get done, but uh, 90% of the time, it's it's the iPad.
1: So t- your bag, the bag that you do take with you, is that something that you pack, or is it something that is always packed, like it has stuff in it <laughs> that stays in the bag and never leaves the bag? I have two backpacks
0: that I try to keep in a constant state of readiness. Yes. Go bags. <laughs> exactly.
1: I have passports in them. I have currency for different That's countries. Right.
0: That's right. There's $100,000 and some <laughs> fake IDs and uh, a whole life just waiting for me in Russia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I have two bags and I do my best to try to keep them packed all the time because this this goes back to the idea of eliminating resistance. And I do a lot of things that people think are kind of... Weird, but if you they're all unified under this idea of I want to make it as easy for myself to get some work done as possible. And even a little thing like, "Oh, I want to go out for the day and and do some work. Oh, my backpack is in packed. it's It's remarkable how I can find that kind of stuff will actually interfere with, how quickly will I get ready in the morning? And then how long does it take me to get out the door? And then there's like this knock-on effect for the whole rest of the day. So at nighttime, as part of my kind of shutdown routine, I have a little little note to myself to just double check that the, the two backpacks that I have are kind of set and ready for the next day with everything in them that needs to needs to go. And this is where we talked about last time. I have multiple iPads. And so I have like one iPad is in each and I have a little station in my office where I can put the two backpacks and have both iPads charging one in each of them at the same time. And they always just live over there and they're just set and and ready to go at at a moment's notice.
1: That is just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there is the place with the two iPads and they're both charging and they're ready to go. Like that way of working, this is it, right? Because I suffer from the same thing that you do. If I plan to do something, and just the tiniest thing gets in the way, it's like, "Well, day's over. Mm-hmm. Can't can't go work now because a shoelace is snapped or something." Mm-hmm. You know, I just can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, having that removing the resistance um, from allowing you to do something is so important. And if you are a person that works that way, finding ways to get around that stuff is incredibly useful in remaining productive.
0: I, don't know, I, f- I feel like we could, we could do a whole show kind of talking about routines, but there's when you work yourself into a situation where you are a self-employed person and you, you don't have anyone to report to, and then this is extra true. This is somewhat true for you, but it is extra true for me that you don't necessarily have anywhere in particular to be at a particular time. Like you just like the whole day is free in front of you it it turns out it is remarkably hard sometimes to to keep on track when you don't have external pressures and external external deadlines and yes i have discovered the same t- thing too that the the way my day goes in the morning determines how the whole rest of the day goes which kind of sounds crazy because i used to work as a teacher and it's like hey guess what if you have a, a bad time getting ready in the morning like you still need to be at a particular class at, at that time and you need to be doing this thing and there's like this whole this whole train that you just step on that takes you through your whole day when you are employed and somebody else is telling you what to do or if you have meetings throughout the whole rest of the day but when you don't have that external structure you you it is much more important that certain things go smoothly uh, to kind of help you along with like, here's how the day is going to go. Here's how, how work is going to play out. And yes, so my, my bags are, are one of the the very many things that I, I have set up to try to make it as easy as possible for me to work. Uh, do you want to hear, I don't know if you want to hear this. Do you want to hear my bag checklist?
1: Yes. Where is this checklist live? Uh this lives in
0: Omnifocus. Okay. Just about every other week I do this kind of big review and one of the things on that review is to completely empty the two backpacks and then go through all of the items and make sure everything is everything is there or to remove any extraneous items that have somehow gotten into the bag. You know, so it's very easy just to like have a have receipts or like stuff you just throw into the bag without thinking. Or, ooh, I need this thing over here and to take something out and then forget that, you know, So like, I just want to make sure that at least every two weeks I have reestablished that these two bags are in their, their kind of perfect state. So here's the list and I've arranged the list so that when I'm, I'm going through it, it's easier for me to have like both backpacks next to me and just check off these items. Okay, so this template is in OmniFocus and then I can invoke it and go through all of the items. So I need to check Each bag has its appropriate iPad. Now, the one bag is for a regular day. And the second bag, the blue bag, is for if I'm going to the gym. And this is why there are two of them. Because the gym bag needs to be a little bit different than the regular day bag. But I want both of them just set at a moment's notice. Okay. So iPad in each. Then the gym bag additionally gets gym clothes. Flip-flops so I don't have to walk with bare feet in the area in the back of the gym. And then I need the gym membership card in the gym bag as well. Then each bag requires a 12-watt charger. Each bag requires a 2-meter lightning cable. Uh, each bag requires a micro-USB cable. Each bag requires a Logitech keyboard. And then, again, each I'll just each bag gets each of these things. There's also an iPad stand. Uh, a small packable umbrella, uh, a pack of caffeine pills, a pack of
1: aspirin wait come on a small screen cleaner No, no, we- we're stopping We're going <laughs> back you're not you're not just pro- caffeine but like pro plus kind of stuff.
0: yeah, Pro plus kind of stuff we'll we'll, we'll t- that'll come up on another show. don't you worry about that okay <laughs> okay, so the caffeine pills, the aspirin, uh, a small screen cleaner, like one of those little wipes you can clean off a screen uh, a fifty pound note. A protein bar, a small pack.
1: Why do you have a 50-pound note?
0: A small pack of almonds, <laughs> a spare pack of AAA batteries.
1: What are the batteries for?
0: And then, <laughs> wait, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and then each bag gets a noise-canceling headphone plus the case for the noise-canceling headphones. So those are the items that each bag is required to have. And then the gym bag also has just gym stuff in it. So there we go. So I run through that checklist once every two weeks to make sure all of these items are in each of the bags. And there are no follow-up questions, which is very nice. It's great. So that's just, I think it's all pretty straightforward.
1: No, 50 pound note. Why is there a 50 pound note in there?
0: <laughs> Why do you think there's a 50 pound note?
1: Do you not take your wallet with you?
0: <laughs> okay, so this is, this is like a pro tip for everybody. This is like a life tip. I have found it useful to have on hand just some backup cash for minor emergencies or problems. Now, these things rarely happen, but every once in a while, it really helps to just have some additional cash on hand for, like, I guess the thing that has happened most often in in London is if for some reason I've forgotten my keys, for example, and then like, okay, well, now I'm kind of, stuck out in the world and I just want to make sure that I have a little bit of additional cash because things like when one thing in life goes wrong suddenly a bunch of things in life can go wrong and it always happens that if you forget your keys this is also the time that the wallet isn't in your pocket because you were just going outside you know briefly for a moment you weren't intending to to like do a whole bunch of things so so like if one thing goes wrong a bunch of things go wrong and I want to have little like capacitors almost little little bits of backup system to make sure that life can get on back on track or kind of go smoothly. And so just having a little bit of cash available if there's some kind of problem is is helpful. I feel like I need a better example to try to try to convince you of this.
1: No, no. No, I it's not I'm just interested by it because I assume that you are probably not a cash person. The thing
0: with the 50 pound note is that this is something that has become less and less of a problem. Over time, like I'm, I'm aware that this is kind of a, an old habit now, as opposed to a, an actual necessity. Because, I mean, even like with my iPhone, I can pay for some limited stuff, or you can get help with an iPhone. Like this isn't, this isn't like a big deal. Um, a long time ago, when I was traveling in America, I used to have a key ring that had a special little fob on the end that you could stick some money into, and. You could put, like, a, you could cram in, like, just barely, like, a $100 bill into this. So you would always just have on hand, like, an emergency $100. That thing was very useful in the kind of pre-iPhone worlds. And, there, I mean, there was one time when my wife and I got into a into a car accident, and we needed, um, basically, we needed to call, like, a taxi cab company to drive us and our stuff to the nearest hotel, but they wouldn't take credit cards and so like knowing that you just have some cash on hand to try to like solve this little bit of a problem is is a security that you don't need it almost all the time but every once in a while it turns out to be very useful so that's why it's there it's just like if i find myself out of the house i have this little bit of backup money even if other things go wrong like oh my credit cards are declined and i'm locked out of the house well I don't have to just be stuck in the city with no money. I, I can I can just get, like, some a sandwich and some water or whatever. Like, that's why it's there.
1: I guess that was kind of the the route that I thought it was going to go, but it was just still interesting to me that it's there, you know? Because I just can't imagine you being a cash person, so... But it, that totally makes sense. I get that. The cash isn't for me.
0: I no. have no use for for the cash. It's to give other people in exchange for goods or services to alleviate problems. That's, like, the cash isn't for me. It's for other people. <laughs>
1: that feels like a life lesson in general (laughs) money's not for me man yeah that's that's how the money
0: works (laughs) right you know it's not like uh looking at the list like the the protein bar that i keep in my backpack that's for me that's not for other people other people can't have my protein bar right that's that's the difference between these items i'm very happy to say that this episode of cortex is brought to you by the good people of OmniFocus. OmniFocus is the task manager that I use to run my whole life. It's one of the most important apps that is available to me everywhere I need it. It's on my phone, it's on my Mac, it's on my iPads. It all syncs together so that I always know that I have a complete list of everything that I need to get done. The great thing about OmniFocus is that it scales for what you need it to be. If you just want to get started with OmniFocus to just keep a few simple lists, it can do that. But if you find that over time your needs are growing, OmniFocus can do that as well. One of the things I like about it is how OmniFocus allows me to slice and dice the various actions that I have in my system. So at any moment, I can pull up all of the actions that are, say, due today or I can see all of the things that I need to do that are related to Cortex. That's what's on my screen right now as I'm recording this ad, actually. I can just press a button and see all of my Cortex-related tasks, because that's what I'm sitting down to work on now. And when I'm done with this ad, I'm going to go out and run a few errands, and there's just a button that I press on OmniFocus that shows me all of the errands that I have to do. That ability to see the tasks that you need to see right now and to ignore everything else in your system is the reason that I use OmniFocus, because it is built into the program from the ground up. We're going to put the link in the show notes at omnigroup.com, where you can go check out OmniFocus, and you should definitely give that a little click and take a look at it. Now, if you have never tried OmniFocus, one of the things that I think is quite amazing about the company that makes it is they offer a 30-day return policy on their apps, which is almost unheard of on the App Store. If you want to give OmniFocus a try, and it turns out that it's just not a good match for your brain, you can return it, and they will give you your money back. OmniFocus really has become the dashboard for my entire life, where I need to go to take a look at what are the projects I'm committed to, how far are they along, and what do I need to do now. I have tried every other task manager that is out there and i'm all in on OmniFocus. it is an amazing program and you should definitely try it out today so go click the link in the show notes that way omni knows that you came from here and try out OmniFocus today
1: let's get back to talking about working environments so i assume you have a home office is that a dedicated room in your house
0: yes i'm talking to you right now from my home office
1: And do you have a standing desk, a seated desk? Do you have a big desk, a small desk?
0: I had originally intended to set up my office in a whole bunch of ways when we moved into this apartment, which is still in my mind the new apartment, although we've been living here for like a year and a half now. And I intended to get a standing desk, but this is just one of these things that has fallen through the cracks. So I just kind of have a normal black sitting desk that I'm in front of right now. And this is the one that my iMac is on. But yeah, it's a dedicated room in my house. I have a door that I can close, which is very exciting because I used to live in a... Technically, it was a more than one room apartment with my wife, but I always describe it to people as functionally a studio because the, the, the place that we lived was so small that while... Yes, there is a door between the living room and the bathroom. It didn't make any practical difference in all the ways that you might want to imagine that a door would make a practical difference with a bathroom situation. So in our current living environment, it's still I still walk around sometime and think, wow, we have doors and rooms. Like, this is amazing.
1: What's in here? <laughs> exactly. It's another room.
0: <laughs> it is. It is a novelty that... I mean, again, we've been here a year and a half, but my wife and I will still remark on the fact that it is possible for one of us to not know exactly where the other person is, because for the majority of our married life, we lived in a space where you could either always see where the other person was, or they'd be behind the door, right? (laughs) And you knew that they were, like, behind that one door, (laughs) so there was never any mystery about where the person was.
1: (laughs) <laughs> where's great oh he's behind the door <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> so that's why like having having an apartment now that has doors and, a, and an apartment where i can have a dedicated office this feels like amazing amazing luxury to me it's 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 quite the upgrade
1: what do you like about working at home like is it more relaxed do you like that like snacks and drinks are always there <laughs>
0: See, the thing is, you're starting from a false premise. It is convenient to work at home, but I'm not exactly sure that I really like working from home, which is one of the reasons why I very often go out into the city to just work from random places, or or I go to the co-working space that I I pay money to rent. So I I very much like the ability to work from home, and there are certain things that are, are just easier to do when you're working from home, because... I now have a dedicated place where I can have paperwork that I need to deal with, or I have all the equipment that I'm familiar with around me. But I, I think I like working from places that are not my home much, much better, even though working from home is is very convenient. Although you're working from home, right? You're calling me from like your bedroom or something, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I don't have an office. Like my office is one corner of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I hope to change that because I'm still living at home at the moment. Me and my girlfriend are saving to buy a place and and Mm -hmm. we're only looking for two bedroom places because I will turn one into a proper office. Yeah, Um, you need an office at this point. Yeah, I need like a real office, but I just don't have one in the current house that I'm in. Mm Mm-hmm you know and i have a big sitting desk it's a big glass desk and i'm in the same kind of thing as you like i'm like i every couple of days i'm like i really want to just set the desk up the way i want it to be and i just don't do mm-hmm. it but i i like i the other day i cleared some stuff off of the desk so it's i got more space on it but like i have in my mind this like amazing setup that mm-hmm. you know will make me a thousand times more productive it won't <laughs> oh but it will gray i've i planned it all <laughs> well. out um and but i just haven't gotten around to doing it yet uh And I pay for a co-working space, but don't go there enough. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that is something that is always in my mind that I need to do. But I feel chained to my home because this is where my equipment is to record. So it's all about me trying to manage my time better. So there are days where I'm not recording so I can actually go Mm -hmm. and do it. Because as well, my co-working space is an hour from my home. No, you'll never go there. I do sometimes. I don't go there enough. I'm trying yeah. to go there more. Like basically, where I live, there is nothing. There is no, no, nothing. Like you know, I, I, I live in a, I wouldn't even. It's probably more of a suburb, I guess. But it's way out of London. Yeah, I don't even know where you are. I just, I know you're, you're east.
0: You know, like vaguely, hundreds of miles east is the thing that I imagine. Like technically, London, but not actually London. Yeah. Because I think the eastern border of London goes all the way to the ocean, as far as I can tell.
1: Something like that.
0: Yeah, you can see it from the top of the shard, right? It's like, oh, everything that we can see from here is is London. That's that's the
1: way that works. But like, you know, if the way to think about it, if you know London, is I live two stops away from the end of a tube line. Mm. So that's far enough out of London, right? So there's nothing here. So I'm always traveling that kind of distance (laughs) to get in. Wasteland. (laughs) It's yes. It's just my house. (laughs) Yeah, you get off. The, uh, you just
0: get off the underground, and there's tumbleweeds and nothing around. So,
1: I, you know, I, I, I don't do that enough, and I want to do it more uh, because if I have something to work on, I do way more work when I'm in my co-working space than while I do at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you have one, two, three, four co-working spaces. How many co-working spaces do you actually go to?
0: I have, I have one co-working space that I pay money to right i have a bunch of places around london that are little coffee shops or other corners that i've found that i like to go to work in but they're not official office places but there is there is an office block that is pretty near me that has a floor basically that they rent out as co-working space to a whole bunch of people and so i pay them like a monthly membership fee to be able to have access to that space and i have to I have to travel an entire 10 minutes from my house to get to that co-working space.
1: Yeah. You see, I know that if I was that close, I would be there more because I could Mm -hmm. just go there for a couple of hours. If I want to go to my co-working space, I'm there for the whole day Mm -hmm. because it takes me, you know, I'm like traveling for two hours like, you know, there and back an hour each way. So I know if I'm going to go to the co-working space, that is my day as a co-working space. Right. Um, so that's what makes it a bit bigger of a hurdle for me to to actually go in. Like there isn't even any coffee shops or anything that I could work in mm-hmm. where I live.
0: Right, because we've established there's nothing where you live. It's just a barren wasteland. Just yeah.
1: barren wasteland. <laughs> my
0: wife and I do have a bit of a joke sometimes, which is kind of terrible, but we talk about how when you get out to those, those, uh, those stops at the end of the underground lines, that it it reminds us of of firefly and the outer rim planets. Like this is always just the way that it feels of like, oh, where where have we gone? It somehow feels way empty here, which of course is ludicrous because the 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 whole country is so dense compared to many other places. But when when you live in the center and then you go out to the edge, it can feel weirdly empty even though it it isn't by any kind of objective standard, but our our slang reference to basically anything beyond like zone 2 is like oh it's all just the outer rim planets right that's all that's the whole rest of of suburban london is the outer rim i mean any anybody who lives in any kind of suburban environment just walking to places is very much not an option i'm 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 just aware that as you get further out from the center of the city if you want to go anywhere you really need a car and i used to teach in a school that was pretty outer rim and i was always just aware of how endlessly long those suburban streets are and and they just feel like oh there's nothing there's nothing here except endless endless rows of houses there's nowhere to go so you you have to have a a car or you have to be near a transportation point to be able to get anywhere else and like the advantage of that is you get to live in a huge place you don't get to live in as i did for many years a place with a door right like that's that's the trade-off the further out you go
1: we have like eight or nine doors in this house there's doors everywhere like i sometimes open doors there's more doors you can't move (laughs) for doors (laughs) you know yeah so we don't we don't have any nested doors there's no door that you can open
0: in our place now which leads to other doors that's just that's just non-existent but that that's the trade-off i have always really liked being able to walk around in the center of the city but there are, like everything in life, there are big trade-offs and costs for that. And, and one of those is that I have to accept that I end up living in a much, much smaller place than I could otherwise. Like I could have had a home office for years if we were living further out. But we, we made the decision that, no, we want to live more centrally. And so then you have to live in a smaller place. But it didn't matter to me, like I said, because I like to go around and work at a bunch of different places. I find that a very enjoyable experience.
1: Is your co-working space uh very businessy or is it hipster like mine?
0: My co-working space there are no hipsters there. My co-working space is full of business people. And I always I kinda wonder what they're up to, but it's it's a strange environment because
1: <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs>
0: well Yeah, how to describe this. So So basically there's this floor which is sort of open plan that i have access to and above and below us are regular office floors in in the sense like some some company has bought a floor of the building right and so they have all their employees on that floor but the co-working space is also like a shared area for all of the other office people in the building And so it's very often like I'm just sitting down in in the co-working space and like these herds of people with ties and briefcases come in and, you know, they're talking about all of their business stuff. And it's it's strange because there's this, this very clear divide between the people who are the co-working people like me and the business people. And the way that these tribes are visually distinguished from each other is whether or not people are wearing ties. So everybody who's wearing a tie it's like oh okay you're not one of the free range monkeys like me right you are like a caged creature you're a battery monkey yeah uh, you are you are you are a cage monkey you have to go back into a particular spot upstairs and the way we mark this is that you have a tie and i don't know it's just a strange overlap sometimes between these these different groups of of people but I like the co-working space. It's very convenient for me, but I often feel like I overhear these these businessy conversations, and often think like I don't have any idea what the heck these people are talking about. They're always talking to, like in these very abstract ways about quarterly reports and and just like stuff it's like I don't even know what you're saying. None of this sounds like concrete. You know, oh, we're we're shipping a product to a certain number of people. It's all just like spreadsheets and and things. So. Uh, I don't actually often go to the co-working space when there are other people around. I used to, when it was less busy, go during the day. But for the most part now, I actually pretty much exclusively go to my co-working space on the weekends and at night. Because then there's nobody else around. And I like that much better. That is much preferred for me, to not have other people around.
1: I went to my co-working space uh, on like the day, two days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it was the best time I ever spent there.
0: Yeah. All of these other people, they do nothing but kind of get in the way. Or they just make it harder to work if they're around. It's, much, it's much nicer when you have an entire floor of a building all to yourself. That's the way I prefer to work.
1: <laughs> in your co-working space is where lives the redundant bag system is what I call it and I'm sure you have a better name for it what do you this is where you have a bunch of stuff that is there constantly like one of your fleet of iPads I think lives there <laughs> a computer lives there what do you have a name for this stuff I think you have like everything there don't you like a recording equipment the whole whole shebang the,
0: the redundant bags live in my home office because I always grab them in the morning but I do have a like a little redundant office that is in the co-working space So luckily, the co-working space has these little cubes that you can rent. And I I just have a cube that is mine that I have a key to. So it's like a little cubby. Yeah, it's like a little cubby. And yeah, a a cube makes it sound luxurious. Like I have a a cubicle, but that's not the case now. It's just a little cubby. And in there, yes, I have everything that I would need to theoretically get just about everything done. So that's where I keep my uh, MacBook Pro. I keep one of my older iPads. I do have some older recording equipment in there so that if I need to record something, I can do it from the co-working space. I like to have that mirrored setup because this, again, goes back to the idea of of eliminating friction. And sometimes I will go out into the city just to like run some errands, or maybe I'm just taking a walk or something. Because kind of everything that I need in my daily life is in a very small radius from where i live like the supermarket's nearby i have a bunch of nice parks to walk to that are nearby and i have a few regular places i like to go that are nearby the gym is nearby and also the co-working space is nearby so it is not unusual where if i'm out just taking a walk i can suddenly feel like you know what i'm in the mood to get a particular kind of thing done and then if the co-working space is nearby i can just walk right to there, and have everything ready to go. I don't have to think, oh, let me go back home to get my bag, to then go out, to then work. No, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to just walk into the co-working space and be able to sit down and just get started on something if I feel like I'm in the mood to do that. That happens pretty regularly. And so that's that's why I like to keep all of the redundant equipment there, is just to have that as, as an additional space that I'm not having to bring equipment to like if i had to physically bring equipment there it would reduce the number of times that i would ever really want to go so i'm just trying to make things easier for myself
1: it's, it's smart because it allows you to just walk in
0: that's exactly right i want to be able to walk in just off the street and and get to work not be like oh i forgot to bring my laptop charger right that that kind of thing i hate i hate missing some small piece of, of vital equipment that then just throws off the rest of your day. It's like, oh, I got to go back home to get the laptop charger and then I have to come back to this place. And by that time, you feel like, eh, the thing that I wanted to do, the moment has passed. It's not going to happen.
1: I feel like this highlights something that I think is going to be a a, a central theme that we're going to see running through a lot of these uh, is that you value your time and convenience way more than money. (laughs) And I I don't mean that to be a joke because I Mm -hmm. do too. I will spend more money than people think should be spent on something if I feel like it's going to give me more time or reduce aggravation in my life.
0: Yeah, broadly, I guess I'm trying to how to phrase this.
1: Well, like to have the two bags, like all the things that you've mentioned, you have to have another two sets of headphones, right? Right. Where you could just have the one that you just pick up and put in the bag. But if you forget it, that's annoying. So let's buy another two. Right, Do you see, I mean, like having the two fifty pound notes, right? Mm-hmm. You could just keep the fifty pound note in your wallet, but instead you put it in the bag. So it's like it's not that you're like you have a ticker tape parade where you're throwing money out of a, <laughs> like a convertible car down the streets of London. Yes, but it's that you make purchases that are purely for reduction of aggravation.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say because I I generally don't like things i don't spend a lot of money on things uh like in my in my apartment i like i just don't have very much stuff but the things that i find useful i am i'm very willing to spend more money on a smaller number of things it's like i want a smaller number of things but those smaller number of things to be of higher quality and In some sense, the redundancy is a kind of quality that, from my perspective, it's almost like iPad is a service, and wherever I need iPad, iPad just is. And that kind of mental release of not having to think, where is my iPad? did Did I leave it on my desk? Let me go find it and put it in my bag. Or did I leave my iPad at the office? No, I never want to think that. I just... When I'm ready to work, I want something at hand immediately to be available.
1: This week's episode of Cortex is brought to you exclusively by OmniFocus. A little earlier in the show, you heard Gray tell you about why OmniFocus is so important to his life. And I wanted to first just echo that. Because I, like Gray, use OmniFocus for everything. I don't use it as extensively as him. Like, I'm not a super, super power user. But I use it to keep track of all of the tasks that happen in my life. Without OmniFocus, I would be totally lost. All of my tasks, all of my lists, it all goes in there. I have little times that I put in, so it alerts me the things that I need to do. And it helps me prepare my life. When I'm getting my work done without OmniFocus, I would be lost. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about OmniFocus for the Apple Watch. It's a new uh, addition to the OmniFocus family. OmniFocus is on the Mac and on the iPhone and on the iPad. And on the universal app that includes the iPhone and the iPad, you can now get yourself OmniFocus for the watch. It helps them, these apps live together even better than ever before and it just keeps getting better all of the time. Omnifocus for the Apple Watch, if you already have Omnifocus installed on your phone, it's just waiting for you there. It's ready for you to just become more productive on the go. The app itself is a great way to get a quick view of what you have due for today and for what's upcoming. You can very quickly and easily get a glance at what you need to take care of and you can check things off right from within the watch app. You just open it up, you check them off. You can even enter tasks into your inbox in Omnifocus via the power of Siri. You can just talk into it and be like a super secret agent or something walking down the street and planning world domination and with continuity you can pick up your last perspective context or project that you were looking at on your phone basically omnifocus with the apple watch keeps you in control and make sure that you're where you want to be when you need to be. There's also a glance as well, um, an Apple watch glance with OmniFocus so you can see what the next thing is on your day and just get a real quick overview as to how much stuff you've got going on. So go head over to omnigroup.com OmniFocus where you're able to also check out a full functioning demo of the OmniFocus app. They built it on their website so you can get a feel for how it looks and works before you install it for yourself. So. Go check out OmniFocus. You can go to omnigroup.com slash OmniFocus, but if you click the link in our show notes, which are at relay.fm slash cortex slash two, if you click that link there, they will know that you come from us and it will help support the show. Thank you so much to OmniGroup and OmniFocus for their help today. So you work in coffee shops, right, which we've mentioned in in like little places, little public spaces and stuff that you work in. I think I heard you mention once that you work in a British library sometimes.
0: Uh, I used to work in the British library when it was a bit more convenient, but there, but there are a bunch of locations that are like that around London that I, that I frequently work.
1: So why do you choose to work in those places rather than your co-working space? I mean, they have a lot of the same problems. It's people around being distracting, that kind of stuff. And you're also paying for the co-working space. So why do you go to places in that sort of scenario? Because that feels like you're kind of wasting money. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: OK, so the, the two scenarios are, are during the day, if I am not staying at home to do work, I will go out to a bunch of, of different locations to to write on to write scripts, basically. And the reason why the people at, say, a cafe don't bother me as much as, say, the, the people at, a co- at the co-working space is I find the people at a cafe are kind of easier to ignore there's no unity of purpose at a cafe. And also, you're not going to run into the same people over and over by going to the same uh, cafes to work at or the, or the same other locations around the city to work at. There's like a random crowd of essentially faceless, anonymous people who are, who are around you. Whereas the problem that I have with the co-working space is it's like, oh, if I'm here too frequently during the day... I start to recognize some of you, and this is just, this is not something that I really want to deal with. So that's part of the reason why I like working out and around in the city, is the, the anonymity of it is almost a kind of privacy. It's, it's just like, oh, nobody here cares about what I'm doing, and I don't really care about what any of these people are doing. So we can all happily ignore each other while we're sitting at our, at our various tables. So that, that's one thing that is, is very beneficial. And then the the second thing is what I mentioned before is I don't know why, but I'm, I'm very aware that there's like a little clock that counts down in my head from about an hour and a half to two hours of a burst of work. So if I'm sitting down and I get like a good hour and a half worth of work done, even if I'm using like music to try to distract part of my brain at that point in time. I start to get a little bit fidgety, and it starts to become harder to kind of focus on whatever I'm doing. And I've learned that the best way to get over that is usually to take, like, a 20-minute walk. And so that's why I tend to kind of hop from place to place in the city, is I've gone somewhere, I've worked for an hour and a half, I can feel my brain getting fidgety, I'm having a little bit of a hard time focusing on whatever I'm doing. So I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to a different location, and then after that 20 minute walk, I find it much more easy to sit down and once again kind of concentrate on what it is that I, that I want to do. So that's another reason why I like going out to different places to work is, is the motion and the change of environment I find facilitates certain kinds of, of getting things done.
1: What's your favorite place to work? Do you have one? Like you don't have to give me a location. So like, you know, you don't have people camping there. That's, well, yeah, I'm not going to... 221 Baker Street.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been a bit vague because there are definitely places that I would not want to say out loud because I feel like, no, I've, I've found these little places over years and years in the city. And I'm not I'm not giving up uh, various good locations that I like to work. Um,
1: Will you tell me them if, like, I pretend to ignore you when I'm there?
0: No, I won't tell you them, no. <laughs> uh, I guess what, what I could more say is that I have little roots that I quite like where there, there are enough places that I'm going to stop along the way. And, and one of the routes, which is easy enough to talk about, is the South Bank of London. Is i found enough places along that stretch on the river where I can stop that aren't too crowded normally, and I can kind of have a nice little walk down the river and know that there are locations that are evenly spaced that I can stop when I want to. So that that's like a that's like a little route that I use uh, fairly frequently.
1: What a great part of London! Like, just one of the very best. It has the best views. It has the best bridges. Like, the, some of the most fantastic buildings and culture and places to eat and drink. It's South, The South Bank is fantastic.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I I'm, I was originally just walking around there because I liked it, and I I eventually kind of figured out a few places to stop that were convenient. And so now it's, you know, it's hard to say how often I do it, but that's, that is a a fairly regular go-to place for, oh, I want to get some work done. And let me, let me just go walking along here uh, for the afternoon, for example.
1: And I feel like this has kind of been implied today, but like, I wanted to ask it, do you think that for you personally being in different places affects your productivity in different ways?
0: Yeah, it does. It does. I think one of the, um, to turn it around for a moment, one of the reasons that I would say that I don't like working at home is I'm aware that this is probably one of the places where I am least effective at actually working. Because the home is an environment where you do all kinds of stuff. And it's very easy to get a bit derailed if you're just staying in the same location all day. And that location is also where... You live, and so it's the same it's the same place where you relax at night. Like, oh, the main room of the house that I walk through to get lunch or whatever. This is where in the evening I will sit on the couch and watch television. It's like it's the wrong kind of mental environment sometimes for getting work done. It it feels less serious to my brain somehow as opposed to like, oh, I'm out and about or I've gone to the co-working space and now brain, we need to get serious about this. Whereas when I'm I'm home all day it's like, well, I'll be home all day on a weekend, not necessarily working. So it, it doesn't, I feel like I, it's very beneficial to have sharp dividing lines between things, particularly when you're self-employed, particularly when you don't naturally have those self-dividing lines. And that's why the, the working at home, it is, while it is extremely useful to me to have a home office, I'm aware that that, in terms of like productive output per hour it's probably one of the less effective places for me to work but it is always available so like like there's there's trade-offs there's trade-offs all the time with these things i'll tell you um if i can go on a on a slight diversion yes i'll tell you, i'll tell you something about how when i first started making the youtube videos i was extremely lucky with place so in that first apartment which had a door, uh, it, it was not really practical for me to be working a lot in the main area of our house, because it was everything. It was the kitchen, it was the bedroom, it was the main area, and I did have a little desk that was set up that I could work at, but this is back when I was still working as a teacher, and then, you know, if my wife would be home in the evenings, like, it just, it was not a great space to be trying to work. And this is this is where a lot of my first habit of wandering around the city probably really, really took hold was like, I have to go out somewhere if I'm trying to work. But I eventually discovered that I had access in that building to this kind of terrifying basement space that was uh, below the building, but yet still kind of exposed to the elements through broken windows and had a boiler in there that was loud, and the room was filled with dust and spiders and all kinds of disgusting stuff. But it was an additional space that I could get access to that absolutely nobody else would want to go to.
1: Not by that description anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the spider room! Yes, please let me work in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, so like, during the winter it would be freezing cold, and during the summer it would be ter- terribly, terribly hot. But in the, in the year and a half when I was really trying, when I was putting all in on trying to make YouTube work as a business, having access to that little space made a huge difference to me because I would take, uh, at that point, my very first iPad, the, the Retina iPad, down there with a little keyboard, and I could... Do this thing which I, I I do all the time, which is talk the scripts out loud and work on them. that's one of the most effective things that I can do when i'm when I'm actually working, is to talk out loud what I'm going to say in the video and make changes and like keep going back and back and forth and keep saying the script out loud over and over again and, and making little changes. yeah so it's obviously not something that I could do in a cafe. It's not something I can do when people are around, but having that little basement space was a spot that I could go to and very, very regularly in the evenings after dinner, which happens to be a a very useful time for me work-wise, I would go down to the spider basement and work. And that space ended up, I, I would say, probably is one of the most productive spaces that I've ever worked in. Even though it was horrible, like, and it was not set up to be a place to work, that actually kind of worked in its favor because I never wanted to be there any any longer than was absolutely necessary. And so I think that this also really contributed to the, the association in my brain of, you know, we're, we're downstairs in the basement and now it is time to work because we're not going back upstairs to our comfy house until you get enough of, you know, you, until you get through enough drafts of this video that you feel satisfied with it. And so I think there are there are ways in which working environments can actually be too comfortable. like having an office that is too nice can actually be a, a disincentive to work. You don't want to have stuff that is is extremely 100% comfortable all the time. And I think that the cafes, in a way, replicate this a little bit because you can never quite get a cafe to be set up just the way you want, right? Oh, the chair is always a little bit off, you know, or the table isn't quite right, or, or you're sitting in a spot that you don't necessarily like perfectly.
1: And when you go there, like you don't even know if you're going to be able to have a place to sit.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, there are all of these little, little things that make the environment slightly uncomfortable, but I, I feel like that can actually be conducive in a way to working. Whereas I'm aware that that my house, while I do love it, it's almost too comfortable. Everything is is just the way I like. And that's one of the reasons why I often work somewhere else. Now, for things like the podcasting, like doing the podcasting from home, this is a kind of convenience that I wouldn't have been able to do without having a home office. So there's some kinds of things that obviously it's, it's way better to have a home office. But I, I still do a large part of my writing elsewhere, it, not at home. One of the reasons why I go to the co-working space on weekends and during the evenings is precisely because there's nobody around. And so this is a, a perfect time to be able to do that thing where I talk the scripts out loud. Where I can I can walk around in this kind of big open area and talk out loud like a crazy person. And there is nobody there to bother me. And again, that is a very, very productive time for me. Even even though to answer your question, like it seems a bit redundant to both work around the city and to also have the co-working space. I use the co-working space in a very different way than I do cafes or or my home office even. So having access to that space to be able to kind of of like, it's much nicer than the basement, but be able to replicate this, okay, it is in the evening and I want to go somewhere and just be able to talk out loud for a while effect. That's one of the reasons why I keep the co-working space around. And that's that's one of the reasons why I use it.
1: Did you ever work in an office?
0: Oh, you mean like a grown-up office? Like, like a,
1: an office with like desks of people? and?
0: I see these offices. I, I see these big, open-planned offices uh, on some of my walks and some of the places that I go. And they don't look very nice. I have never worked in one of these offices. And... When we talked last time about why I wanted to be a a teacher, I always knew that an office environment was was not the environment for me. I've never had any kind of of job, even my student jobs or anything that were stereotypical office jobs. I have tried very hard to avoid that, and i have I have done so successfully so far in my life.
1: You would hate it.
0: Oh, I I'm I'm pretty sure I would. And it's funny, I was thinking about um you know the movie Office Space. Mhm. So I first saw Office Space in college at some point and the movie is ostensibly a comedy. And I remember thinking, "Oh, this is a very funny movie." But it also had this little bit of a tinge of like a warning from the adult world of you know, you don't really want to probably work in an environment like this and every i don't know every few years i watch office space again and every time i watch it as i have gotten older that movie has become less of a of a comedy and more of a horror film of just i don't laugh i kind of i kind of watch it just just filled with horror and one of the things i'm really aware of is that if you look at the working environment in Office Space. It's presented as this this terrible, terrible working environment because they're all stuck in these, these horrible cubes. But in all of the offices that I can see into in London, those cubes would seem like a massive luxury. Most of the offices I see arrange people in these endless open rooms with just computers on their desk, sitting directly opposite someone else on a computer, with someone on a computer on either side of them, With half-size little walls, if they're lucky, but very often they're just long tables that are, you know, sixteen people are sitting at. That they that they would they would beg beg for cubes, and that's why like the office space thing. That's the one thing I'm really aware of watching that movie. It's like, okay, this movie is is horrifying as an adult to watch, but even since then, it looks to me like things have really changed in the office
1: world. I mean, did you have a cube? I bet you didn't. No. I wish I did. Uh, one of, one of like, the things that happened to us, which this is one of the worst things, we're like the marketing department, right? So we were kind of a bit more relaxed about the way that we worked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'd have music, we'd have a laugh, we'd joke around and stuff. And at that time, there were banks of desks that kind of set 12 people, six on each side. We had a decent amount of room and Ugh. they were okay. Yeah, they were okay. It wasn't great. There was barely any meeting rooms. Um, and then one day we were told, oh, there are people moving down from another floor so we have to move everybody around and you know have to pack up all your stuff this weekend because when you come in on monday it's going to be a completely new seating set up that kind of thing mm-hmm. so we came in on monday and they'd moved us around to another part of the floor and they had increased our tables to to banks of 16 so eight people each side
0: but the but the table wasn't any bigger it was a little bit bigger <laughs>
1: Only a little bit bigger.
0: Okay. So they added like 10% more table and 50% more people.
1: The people that sat behind us that come down, came down from the floor above, they were the same size tables and they sat 10 aside. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, no computers anymore. Everyone was hot desking. So you wouldn't even be guaranteed. You didn't have enough. Each team didn't have enough desks to fit their team. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if you were five minutes late, you'd come in and there'd be no desk for you. And you'd just be walking around the floor trying to find somewhere to sit but you'd have all your stuff in a locker that was on the desk that you usually sat, right? Right. So you'd have to, like, be walking back and forwards all day picking it up. But, like, the worst thing about it was, like, the people that came down, they were from, like, a very stuffy department and they all wore, like, really smart suits and they were, you know much older and more official and mm-hmm. like three levels of bit, like management above us so they had they kept making changes about the way that we had to work and we weren't allowed to have our music on anymore and we had to be more quiet um we weren't allowed to swear as much <laughs> as we did and they took all of our meeting rooms away and it's like i don't ever again want to be in an environment where the my my working environment can be changed by external factors like that right like someone can make a decision and all of a sudden we're all crammed up and I don't have a desk anymore.
0: This is always like the thing bit with working for a company versus working for yourself and there are there are trade-offs in both of these. But that is one of the biggest trade-offs is that other people can can make decisions that radically change your daily experience when you're working for another company. And and that kind of thing of oh we're we're going to change Your physical environment in a way to make it much less pleasant is extremely, extremely frustrating to to deal with. And I just I just can't imagine how that has been for lots of of workers, seeing as I do inside these offices, the the, like shape of them change and like more people getting crammed into a, a space. It's just I don't know. It's it's. I, I like I said, I tried very hard to avoid that and I have been I have been lucky enough to avoid that in in my life so far. Um, surely you would think you're less productive under the new circumstances.
1: Oh definitely, but you know, then they try and back that up with you've gotta meet your objectives, you know?
0: Oh, right. You have to meet your objectives. You have so. to meet
1: your objectives. So you <laughs> might be less productive, but you have your objectives to meet. Who says mm-hmm. your objectives out of interest?
0: What do you mean for for uh, for gray industries who sets my objectives? Yeah, we should have a quarterly review me and you. I could I
1: could give you a good quarterly review. We could we could establish your performance rating. What do you think about that?
0: I uh, I I would resist that. I would resist that. We we can we can talk about uh we can talk about deadlines and and objectives at, at another point maybe, but there's nobody else setting my deadlines or objectives. Uh, I do not have any more meetings where we can talk about how good of an employee I have been. Like like I did when I was teaching. Those those were always fun, having someone come in and evaluate you. It's like, oh God. So Mr. Gray. Yep.
1: Um, I think we're I I have come to the end of my questions for today. Okay. Shall we tell people how they can send us in their feedback and questions and you know, if people want to find out why you have caffeine pills or, you know, if they wanna if they want to try and find out your favorite haunts in the South Bank Center. Uh, there's a couple of places that they can get in touch with us. Um, The best ones, Twitter and Reddit. So you can go to the the Reddit page. Can you tell people where that is again?
0: The Reddit page for me is the number one source for feedback because not only can you leave long comments which are sometimes very nice but other people can can decide how useful your comments actually are by voting them up and down so the reddit is by far and away for me the number one place for people to leave feedback and so you can go to reddit r-e-d-d-i-t dot com slash r slash and there will be a discussion link for this episode of cortex
1: and you can also um on twitter you can you can find us both uh gray is at CGB gray and i am at imike i Mike I M Y K E. and don't forget our hashtag that we have hashtag ask gray where you can ask us questions and send in feedback and follow up and stuff for a future episode i expect there to be lots of follow-up uh on next week's episode for these current two that we have recorded so far i'm looking forward to digging into some of that
0: yes because we are we are recording this one actually what like 35 minutes before you're about to put the uh the first
1: one up live yeah i don't want to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) i'm in a i'm in a state of nausea right now yeah uh and i'm worried if we talk about it too much i'll ruin my microphone (laughs) yeah
0: but so but so yes this episode will actually not be going up for a week or so so these two have been done in advance and then the third one is when we'll finally be able to Uh, go over some some feedback and things but yes we need to end the conversation now because you need to put the first show live